Welcome to the podcast, Life to the Fool, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. Where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, ladies. We're still continuing our series of the five qualities God wants us to have in our lives as we prepare for end times. We are currently looking at our second P, which is prayer. Prayer and praise. And at the end of our podcast last week, we were looking at Revelation chapter 8, verse 3. I'll give it to you again so we can just get into the whole scene of this scripture and we'll talk more about it. John is looking into the heavenly realm and he sees in verse 3, And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne, and the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And so John was looking at the altar of incense in heaven. You see, the altar of incense in the tabernacle on earth was made after the pattern of the heavenly one. The heavenly one is still there. And Christ is interceding at that altar for us night and day. And he wants us to also participate in this altar of incense. Everything that was given back in the Old Testament, was written for us today. It wasn't for nothing. It was to show us how we are to live today. And so we see quite a number of things about this altar of incense. First of all, number one, it was called the golden altar. We see that also in Exodus chapter 30, and uh, that's where we first begin to read about it. There are many, many scriptures, which I won't give you in this podcast. But if you get to read the transcript, I will uh, give them to you. I have a whole paragraph here of scriptures where the altar of incense is mentioned in the Bible, in the Old Testament and in the New and uh, you can look them all up if you get to read the transcript. We'll only look at one or two scriptures today. But in Exodus 30, God is telling Moses how he wants him to make this altar. And it was to be made out of sheeton wood, or it's sometimes called acacia wood, which was a very common wood there in the in the wilderness, in the desert where they were traveling through. And it speaks of man. And so it was just, you know, common. But it was overlaid with gold. Verse 3, And thou shalt overlay it with 
pure gold. And they were to overlay it on the top and in the sides and on the horns and all over. It was to be covered with pure gold, speaking of God and his divinity. And so it's a beautiful picture of we who are man and fleshly and who cannot really do much without God, we come to this altar of incense to cry out to God. It is a place of prayer, as it tells us in Revelation, uh, that it is speaks of the prayers of all the saints. And in Revelation, which we just read, it talks about much incense coming up before this golden throne. It is a golden ministry. Have you ever thought of prayer being a golden ministry? Well, that's what it is, ladies. It's a golden ministry, a wonderful ministry that you can be part of. And God wants the altar of incense to be operating in your home. And he doesn't want a little bit of incense going up to his throne. He wants a lot of incense, much incense, a great quantity of incense, one translation says. I wonder how much incense goes up to the Father, to his throne, because when you're coming to the altar of incense, when you come to that place of prayer, you are coming into the very throne room of God. How incredible. Oh, what privilege we have to come in through the precious blood of Jesus that was shed for us. And through the power of his name, we can come in to the very throne room of God where he is in all his glory and intercede before him for our own needs and especially the needs of others and the needs of the world. Oh, what a glorious privilege. How much incense goes up in your home? Is it a little trickling bit that goes up every now and then? Or is it much incense going up every day toward the Father? That's what the scripture talks about. Much incense. Yes. And, you know, I believe we are in an hour in history where we need much incense. We need much prayer. Oh, there is just so much happening. There's so many needs, not only around us with people in your own home, maybe, and people you know, but in the whole of the world. Oh, my. And yet, are we truly praying? I'm often, well, not often, always challenged by that scripture in, um, where is it? Jeremiah. Jeremiah 10, 25. And it says these words. Verse 24, O Lord, correct me, not but with judgment or justice, the word is. O Lord, correct me 
but with justice, not in thine anger, lest thou bring me to nothing. Pour out thy fury upon the heathen that know thee not, and upon the families. Oh my, families? What families? The families that call not on thy name. To me, this is a very challenging scripture. How God will pour out his fury upon the heathen that are not walking in his ways, but also on his families, his families that do not call upon his name. Are we a family that is calling upon the name of the Lord? This is really the defining factor of God's people. In the early church, they were known as the people that call upon the name of the Lord. Are we known as those who call upon the name of the Lord? Is our church known as a people who call upon the name of the Lord? Do the people around us know that we are a praying people, a praying family, a family that calls upon the name of the Lord? Well, if we're not, we might as well be the heathen because that's what separates us from the heathen. The heathen walk in their own ways and in sinful ways. They don't call upon the name of the Lord. But we as God's people, we have access into the throne room of God and we call upon the name of the Lord. That should define who we are. And uh, so in this hour, Oh, when there is so much treachery and tyranny happening. Now, here we are. We're living in Tennessee. And really, at this current time in Tennessee, we are living a beautiful life. Um, there's no lockdowns or tyranny here, um, especially out where we live. Here, you wouldn't know that there was any tyranny going on in the world. But there is. And... Uh, we have dear friends and people we know in other countries who are facing great challenges. Um, my dear friend Val Stairs, who is the director of Above Rubies in Australia, uh, I think I shared this with you in one of my previous podcasts, how 17th of December in Australia is D-Day if they do not take the vaccination by that day, they will be completely isolated from society without being able to buy and their jobs will be wiped out. This is, this is tough. And this is happening in a free society, in a free world. This should never be happening in a free world. But what are we doing about it? Are we praying we, we have a responsibility to pray for our fellow believers. I was just reading last night about what is happening in the Northern Territories of Australia. I could not believe it. And uh, I just go to this um, site here and it says the Australian government of the Northern Territories is now using military soldiers in army trucks to forcibly round up indigenous people, that's our um, Aborigine people, uh, of course, we lived in Australia for 10 years. We lived in this great free uh, country of Australia, what is called the lucky country. 
But now they're rounding up indigenous people who have merely been near someone else who tested positive for COVID. With families being separated gunpoint, one of the most horrifying predictions we made has now come true. Military, medical, martial law, where innocent civilians are being rounded up at gunpoint and taken to what are essentially COVID concentration camps. These victims are being forcibly relocated to the Howard Springs Quarantine Camp in Darwin, Australia. They've already got these internment camps ready. I have seen pictures of ones in Queensland. Michael Gunner, the Territory Chief, admits to the military kidnapping and forced relocation of Australian Indigenous people, even dis disparaging their family structures and implying they are savages because so many members of the community interact with, with each other like family. And so it goes on and on of what they are doing to these Indigenous people in the Northern Territory of Australia. And then we have Victoria down at the bottom of Australia, which is being locked down, and then we have Queensland, only till the 17th of December. Uh, and the mandate is, if they're not vaccinated, well, then that's it. And then we have our dear, precious friends in Israel, and they only have till the 6th of December. If they're not vaccinated by, by then, they're wiped out. They've got to clear out of the country after years and years of pouring their lives out for the Jewish people there in Israel. And so... Uh, and not only them, but Canada, Austria, many other countries uh, are locked down and they uh, have tyranny coming upon them. Free countries. Now, does that get to you? I, I don't know. How can people just carry on life as normally and not be praying? How can we not pray and cry out for these situations, we have to be crying out for the world at the moment. Now, we know that there will come eventually a one world order because it is prophesied. But we don't take that sitting down. No, we push back and we resist all tyranny. We must resist all tyranny because it is evil and it is not for the blessing of the people or the country. It is not for their good at all. And uh, there are some Christians who passively give in. They talk about Romans 13, how that we must just submit to whatever is happening. No, that they are taking that passage in the wrong context because it is talking there about uh, how that we must submit to the government for our good and we will receive um, backlash if we don't. If we are not good, if we do that which is evil, we're going to get... Um, you know, our, we'll get our rebuke and our um, whatever they're going to do to us from the government. But this is not for anybody being evil. This is what they're doing to those who are good. And what does it say in Daniel 11.32 in the context of persecution? And the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. King James Version. Other translations say, the people that do know their God shall be strong and take action. Some translations say, the people that do know their God shall be strong and resist. 
And, of course, I believe more than anything else, we pray. Oh, let's be praying. Oh, prayer works wonders. But as I look around, I, I see most people carrying on as usual. They have not intensified their prayer life. They have not called corporate prayer meetings. I believe we should be calling corporate prayer meetings to pray. Yes, and if there is not one near you where you can go and pray, if they don't have one in your church that's praying for this situation and for the countries of the world, well, start one in your own home. It's a wonderful thing to have a prayer meeting in your home. I, I think it's the most wonderful thing in the world. I think we've I don't think we have ever been without a prayer meeting in our home all throughout our married lives. And uh, at the moment, um, well, we have two prayer corporate prayer meetings a week at the moment here um, on the hilltop. We have one in our home um, and also one in Serena and Sam's home. Last night, Wednesday night, we were at the prayer meeting at Serena and Sam's home. And, oh, sometimes you never know what's going to happen in a prayer meeting. Usually we are really storming the gates of heaven uh, on the behalf of all those who are suffering and who are under tyranny and we're crying out to God for the needs all around us. But last night, what happened? We ended up praying for all the children and it was the most beautiful night. You see, we have the children in our prayer meetings. And dear precious mums, if you have lots of children, you think, oh, how can I have a prayer meeting in our home with all the children? What will I do with them? Well, you, you make them part of the prayer meeting. That's the best thing they can ever be part of, is to be part of prayer meetings. And if you have a little baby and you're nursing your baby, well, just nurse your baby. Just you have a nursing shawl, a nursing cape. It's, you can nurse discreetly and just nurse your baby and your baby will go off to sleep. Your little toddlers can just be around. We have our toddlers all around us. If you don't feel you can cope with yours, well, maybe you can make sure they don't have a sleep in the afternoon and they get to bed early. But otherwise... They can learn to just play very quietly. And then when they get tired, daddy or mummy takes them on their knee and they just cuddle in and go to sleep. That's what happens with our little ones. And then, of course, the children. Well, last night, um, yes, one of our little ones, a little uh, three-year-old, he had hurt himself badly during the day and uh, they were nearly going to take him to ER, but they didn't. They prayed instead and, and uh, all the blood that was coming out of his mouth soon stopped and God was good. But they wanted us to pray over him again at the prayer meeting. So that was the first thing we, we did. My husband anointed him with oil and prayed over him. And then it just began. Each little child came and just knelt down um, and my husband and others would just, just began to pray over them, all the little ones and then middling ones and then even the teens. And uh, it took the whole prayer meeting, but it was such a beautiful night. So when you start a prayer meeting, 
you make your children part of the prayer meeting. Children should be part of prayer meetings. They should grow up in the midst of prayer. It should be part of their lives. Yes. Not a little part. No, part, just a big part of their lives. The Word of God says much incense, not a little bit of incense, but much incense. Malachi 4 verse 11 says, For from the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And in every place, incense shall be offered unto my name. This is not talking to the Jewish people. This is talking to the Gentiles and among the Gentiles and in every place. Every place, every home, incense shall be offered unto my name and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. Amen. Well, number one, this altar is a golden altar. Number two, it is also called the altar of sweet incense. Yes, all the, the spices that we used to make the incense were beautiful, sweet spices. You'll get all the scriptures about that in the transcript when you get to read it. Number three, this uh, altar of incense was the highest piece of furniture in the holy place. It was higher than the table of showbread and higher than the golden candlestick, which were also very important pieces of furniture. But this one was the highest. God wants it to be the highest priority in our lives. Did you know that it's the highest priority of Jesus now? The Bible tells us that he is continually interceding for us which is the altar of incense. Let's read, shall we, Hebrews 8. Um, no, Romans 8. Okay, I'm just going to it, ladies. Romans. Romans. We've got to get to it. Romans 8. And verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Let's go to Hebrews, shall we? Hebrews and chapter 7, verse 25. Wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Over in chapter 9, verse 24. And Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into 
heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. And also prayer and praise. You see, it's not only prayer, it's prayer and praise and worship uh, that the altar of incense speaks of. It takes us up to great heights. Isaiah 40, 31 tells us uh, of how those who wait upon the Lord shall mount up with wings as eagles. We mount up in the spirit when we go to the place of prayer. Oh, yes, personally and corporately. There's much power in corporate prayer. I believe in personal prayer, but I also believe in the power of corporate prayer. In Matthew 18, it tells us how that if two or three of you are gathered together in my midst, uh, gathered together, um, I will be with you. I will be in your midst. Amen. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 3. Come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. That's the place of prayer. The mountain of the Lord. We've got to go up to it, ladies. Go up to the mountain. Now, it's not always easy getting up a mountain. Have you ever climbed a mountain? Well, Sometimes you get pretty tired going up that mountain. It can be steep. It can be rough. And you're puffing and oh, you're getting tired and you're getting worn out. But you keep going and you get to the top. Oh, what a beautiful view from the top. How exhilarating. And it's same in, the same in the place of prayer. You've got to come up to the mountain. Come ye, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And so we come up to this place of prayer and of praise. Talking about praise, uh, the other week we were invited to a meeting to listen uh, to this speaker. And uh, he, in one part of his, he was speaking a most wonderful message about praising God in the midst of our difficulties. And he went through the scriptures, just showing the places where the different people of God and how they were going through the most terrible circumstances. But in the midst, they kept praising God. This is also part of the altar of incense. And uh, he took us also to Second Chronicles, and I'd like to take you to take you to it. Second Chronicles, chapter twenty. Here it is, and it's the story of when King Jehoshaphat, who was a good king of Judah, and the enemy came against him. And it says here that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and also the, uh, the Ammonites. And actually, another place tells us where there were another lot of people too. Yes, and also the inhabitants of Mount Seir. All these uh, enemies came against them, a great multitude. 
and Jehoshaphat, he, he was he he was he was scared. They didn't have an army like that. That they couldn't even. What are they going to do? That army was too big for them to fight. They were going to be wiped out. So, what did he do? Well, we see here in chapter 3, Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And so, number one, he began to seek the Lord. I believe that's what all God's people should be doing in this hour. We are facing a battle. We are facing an enemy that's bigger than us. This is a huge evil enemy that we are facing. And we have to seek the Lord because we can't fight it on our own. It's only the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of heaven, who is able to bring us the victory. So number one, they began to seek the Lord and they, he proclaimed a fast. And verse four, and Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. They came corporately. They didn't just stay back in their cities. Oh, goodness, it's, we just can't travel all that way. Oh, help goodness me and oh no we'll just stay home and pray you know many people say that about prayer meetings oh we'll just stay home and pray I mean oh it's too difficult to get to the prayer meeting I don't really feel like going out oh I feel too tired and actually that is very true at the end of the day you can feel very tired in fact many times at the end of the day I feel worn out. I have busy days and uh, I can feel worn out and it's prayer meeting night and I think, oh, help, how am I going to make it to the prayer meeting? I'm nearly falling asleep. But I go and when you go into that place of prayer, into the mountain of the Lord, you are rejuvenated. Uh, I was thinking of my dear friend Nadia. Nadia has seven children. And her youngest child at the moment, it, she was born with a very rare, rare disease um, where one side of her body is perfect, the other side grows these huge tumors. On top of that, recently, she was diagnosed also with stage four cancer. I mean, how much more can this little darling go through? And uh, she is... Um, not only had chemotherapy, she's now facing radiation and stem cell uh, replacement and so on. And um, poor Nadia, she's back and forward to the hospital, sometimes staying there for a time and then all back and forward in the day. And she has so much on her plate with all her children and this precious little one. But Nadia doesn't miss a prayer meeting. If she's not in the hospital staying, she's at the prayer meeting. And Monday night, she was here at the prayer meeting and <laughs> she sort of dragged herself up the stairs. I could see she was so tired. And she was sharing with me last night. She said, I was just so worn out. I could hardly walk up your stairs. I could hardly keep my eyes open. But she came. She came. And as she prayed, 
she was rejuvenated. And even last night, there she was, second prayer meeting of the week, and she's there with all her seven children. And there are people who don't even have children who say, well, I don't think I can get to the prayer meeting. I think I'll just pray at home. But they don't pray at home. There's something about getting up and going and getting together with the saints. And this is what they did here. They came out of all the cities of Judah. They came to seek the Lord. Yes, and then Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat prayed this amazing prayer. Verse 6. O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven and rulest now not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art, thou, art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of the land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And so he goes on with his prayer. Um, Yes, right down to verse 12. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Hallelujah. That's a great prayer. That's why we come. Because we don't have the answer ourselves. Our eyes are upon the Lord. And this is what we do when we go through our difficulties, our trials, our persecutions. We go through them with our eyes upon the Lord. So, okay, all the people came. And now we find out something else they did. Ooh, they not only came to pray together corporately, but verse 13 says, And all Judah. It doesn't say some of the people of Judah. All Judah stood before the Lord. Most probably there was not enough room for them to sit down. They weren't, they weren't sitting on lovely sofas like we often sit at our prayer meeting. No, they stood before the Lord. And get this. I'm going to read the next little bit. Listen for it, ladies. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones. And if you look that up in the Hebrew, the actual Hebrew meaning of the little ones is, um, now how does it go? It's the tripping gate of little children. It's the little toddlers. Oh my, those are the ones we don't want at the prayer meeting. Oh goodness me, what will we do with them? Yes, they're tripping around and they can't keep still. Well, God says, I want them there. Yes, and they came with all their families, with their little ones, their wives and their children. So the husbands came and the wives came. The wives didn't stay at home. The wives came with their little ones, and most probably they had nursing babies. They wouldn't leave them at home. They were with them too. Nursing babies in the prayer meeting. Woo! And all their children. Every age group was there. 
to cry out to God. I wonder what it is going to take for the people of God to really want to come and pray, to even want to go to a prayer meeting. Because I find that most people in the body of Christ don't really even want to go to prayer meetings. Oh, they can go to the theatre to watch a movie. They can stay home and watch a movie. They can go out to this entertainment. They can go out to this, out to this, out to everything. Yes, they're running here and there all the time. But they don't want to go to prayer meetings. These people came as families, everyone, husbands, wives, little toddlers, nursing babies, children of all ages, the teens. Everyone was there to cry out to the Lord. It reminds me of Joel. Oh, yes, over in Joel. I'm just going to it while I think of it. Ladies, Joel. Um, Joel. Sometimes it's hard to find those little minor prophets at the end. Jonah here. No, I don't want Jonah. Um, I want Joel. 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 Here it is. And chapter 2. Yes. Uh, so here was another prayer meeting. Okay, verse 15. And it says, blow the trumpet in chapter 2. Did you get that? Chapter 2, 15. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children. And those that suck at the breasts. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priests and the ministers of the Lord weep between the porch and the altar and let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine heritage to reproach that the heathen should rule over them. Wow, that's a prayer we need to pray, isn't it? Oh, Lord. Give not thine heritage to reproach, that the heathen should rule over them. We are facing in many areas in the world today, and even in the, here in the States, we are facing where people are seeking to rule over people, rule over their bodies, take dominion over their bodies. This is against God. No one is meant to rule over someone else's body. God made us free people and we shall be praying against this tyranny over lives. And it says, For wherefore should they say among the people, Where is their God? But do you notice that when they call this solemn fast, uh, that, well, in fact, if your pastor or minister was to call a solemn fast, he would usually say, Well, um, folks, you know, we're calling this solemn fast, so I think you better get babysitters. We can't really have the children all there because this is a very solemn occasion. But no, God is not like that. He's 
always incorporating the children, no matter what's happening. Here's a solemn fast, and he says, okay, I want the children, I want the little toddlers, I want the nursing babies, I want everyone. And then, goodness, this is a solemn occasion, because even the the new bride and bridegroom have got to come out of their closet. Whoo! Well, actually, just before I close, maybe I should tell you this little story because um, this actually happened to Colin and me. When we were first married, Colin actually went out full-time for God when we were engaged and we were involved in a wonderful ministry called Tell the Nations Crusade, where um, those who were involved took a Gospel of John to the door, not putting it in the letterbox, but to the door of every home in New Zealand. My husband was involved in that. And then from that, the leader of this ministry, Campbell McAlpine, a very holy and wonderful man of God. He felt God calling us to uh, the mission field and that we were to do the same thing, take a gospel of John to the homes in the Philippine Islands. So um, we actually did that. After we were married, we went to the Philippine Islands. But on our wedding day, um, it had been planned that those who were in the ministry would meet for three days, prayer and fasting. And unbelievably, it was going to start the day after we were married. So, of course, Colin and I never even entertained the thought that he would go, even though he was full time in that ministry. And uh, so we had our glorious wedding. It was a beautiful wedding. But at the end of the day, this man, Campbell McAlpine, came to my husband and he said, Colin, I have a scripture for you. And it was this scripture, Joel chapter 2, verse 17. No, verse 16. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet in order to fast and pray and seek the Lord. So we're going away on our honeymoon and driving along. And Colin says to me, well, Campbell gave us a scripture. I said, what is it? He said, the bridegroom and the bride have to come out of their closet and seek the Lord and fast and pray. What will we do? So I said, well, I guess there's nothing else we can do but obey. And so we had one night together and then Colin went off with all the rest of the guys for three days prayer and fasting. And uh, I went and stayed with uh, Joy and Jim Dawson, who were then living in New Zealand. They now live in the States. And um, I went down to her prophet's chamber, which she had in her basement, and had three days prayer and fasting, seeking the Lord there. So that's how we started our married life. Separated, three days prayer and fasting. But I think it turned out a pretty good way to start. Anyway, let's uh, pray. And I haven't finished yet, ladies. More exciting things to find out about this altar of incense in our next session next week. Dear Father, oh, we just 
thank you that we have the privilege to come into your presence, your throne room. Oh God, give us a love to come there. Lord, I pray that you will stir your people to become prayers. Lord God, that we will seek your face, Lord God. Oh God, Lord God, we just, there is so much that is happening. And Lord, we have no answers except that we seek your face. I pray, Lord, for the whole church of God, Lord, to begin to seek you, to come together to pray and to cry out to you. We ask you for this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.